Welcome to Today on Broadway for Valentine's Day, Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day, Grace. Happy Valentine's Day, Matt. We are recording, obviously, on Tuesday since it comes out on Patreon on Tuesday night, but we hope that everybody either has or is currently having or is about to have a wonderful Valentine's Day, whether that means you are with a longtime significant other, a new significant other, somebody who you hope to be a significant other, or by yourself. That's totally okay, too. So whatever you are doing today to celebrate, hopefully it enjoys something that makes your heart happy and maybe some chocolates. I do know, Grace, that there has been a trend on social media. I was going to say TikTok, but I saw it on Instagram, where despite the fact that one young woman tried to tell men that women don't want flowers, an old Filipino grandmother seemed to disagree. Yeah, some of us want flowers, okay? We know they're gonna die, but I like stuff and I like smelly stuff. And whether that's a good smell or a bad smell, I'll take it. So some people do like flowers, but I understand there's a lot of people out there that are like, I'm tired of just getting flowers. And they're right to say that, but sometimes, sometimes you just need what you need. Yeah, they're a, they're a reliable standby for many people for a very good reason. All right, let's get into the news, Grace. And something that we have been hinting at for weeks, I've dropped some very non-subtle clues in previous episodes, but yesterday it was confirmed that Brandon Jacobs Jenkins' I guess Broadway revival of Appropriate will be moving after its initially announced closing date. It had already extended to play through March 3rd at the Helen Hayes Theater. It will now move to the recently vacated Belasco Theater, where it will play from March 25th, just about three weeks later, through June 23rd. The initial second stage run has to end. It had already extended as far as it could, but it had to end because Paula Vogel's mother play is coming in that with Jessica Lange and Jim Parsons and Celia Keenan-Bolger. So that one had to close. But this thing has been doing so well in terms not only of the critical response and presumably the forthcoming awards consideration, but also in selling tickets, which we'll get to here in a second, that it just makes sense to move it. I know that there are many, many people, including at least one person on this call, that haven't been able to see it just because of how insane it is getting tickets. So I think this is great for everybody involved. The cast is stupendous. Sarah Paulson, Corey Stoll, Michael Esper, Natalie Gold, Graham Campbell, Alyssa, Emily Marvin, Lincoln Cohen and Everett Sobers. But I will say Elle Fanning is not able to make the transfer because of scheduling things. There will be a replacement in her role of River to be announced at a later date, presumably fairly soon since <laughs> since it's like five weeks away from uh, this transfer opening. But I think this is great. And this is what you want to see from shows like this, that they are able to latch onto some sort of public consciousness and go from a not-for-profit run that was fairly limited to something that's a little bit more extensive. And it also obviously increases its awards opportunities, Grace. You know I love the Belasco. It's my favorite theater on Broadway. I'm excited to see this show transfer. I'm glad that that house is not going to be dark this season. Obviously, like, continued well wishes for the entire company of How to Dance in Ohio. But I'm, I'm, I'm also glad to see that all the people that are employed by that theater as well will continue to have jobs. I'm really excited. I hope I get to see it. I, I mean, at this point, if you don't see it, I I mean, I'll just buy you a damn ticket, Grace. I mean, you, you have to see it. No, uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll make sure I see it. But yeah, um, I've heard nothing but astounding things from this production. It is interesting, the, the jurisdiction in, ter- in terms of like the fact that this is now considered a revival. I get it. I know that 
you know, we've, yeah, we've talked rules. about it on the show previously, rules have to exist, but it is interesting, right? Like this is yeah. the first time a lot of people are coming into contact with this material and it's stunning audiences. So I'm really excited to the progression of that and what the Alaska transfer will mean for the show. I know this is probably asking too much, but would it be the worst thing in the world if replacing L Fanning was Dakota Fanning? You mean the cast of the voiceover of the Fox and then Disney production of Totoro for the U.S. audiences? Yes, that's exactly who. That's exactly <laughs> the touch point that I think most people have with Dakota Fanning. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Well, if you grew up in my house, that's for sure. So yeah, two Georgia girls. Sure. Take it. I'll take it. That would be interesting. And I think that they're both really incredible actors. So I could see happening Agreed. for sure. Yeah, I think that would be very, very interesting. All right, let's move on to some other news. And this one also has to do with a show that is very tough to get tickets to. But yesterday, tickets went on sale for the upcoming West End revival of Romeo and Juliet, starring Tom Holland and directed by Jamie Lloyd. Within an hour of the tickets going on sale, there were reports that every ticket for the entire run of the show was completely sold out. That is not exactly true. Every ticket that was available did officially sell out. So that means every ticket that they put up on February 13th for the run at the Duke of York's Theater starting on May 11th did sell out. But there is a block of 5,000 tickets that are priced at just 25 pounds that have not yet gone on sale. These much cheaper tickets are part of a program that the production is doing that is going to give access to theater goers under 30, key workers, and those who are receiving some sort of government benefits. These tickets will be all throughout the theater, including some in the very front row. There is no date yet on to when those tickets will become available, but I think that's very cool. I mean, it's a very short run, and to have 5,000 tickets to be only 25 pounds is great. A representative for the production also told Playbill that there will be some additional ticket buying opportunities. I don't know if those are rush or lottery related, but they did say to keep an eye on the Romeo and Juliet social media channels for more information. Grace, Tom Holland is one of the biggest up and coming movie stars in the world. He has his roots in theater, his first real return to the stage since becoming an A-list megastar. There was never a doubt in my mind that this thing would sell insanely well, but to sell out all available tickets in an hour, that was even a bit of a surprise to me, despite going in knowing that this would be the hottest ticket in all of theater around the world for this summer. Yeah, I'm really mad. I wanted one. I know. But I know a lot of people that waited in the queue for four hours to get those tickets. So um, the fact that they were able to secure them, congratulations to you. <laughs> but I agree bitter. with you. I think not bitter at all, but I think it's I think it's actually amazing that Shakespeare continues to sell like this, especially like this is a Jamie Lloyd production, right? This is top like these are people that are at the peak of their game, respectively, in, in both camps. Right. And to do a piece that is kind of like public domain at this point is kind of nuts. Like it's it's kind of absurd that things continue to sell out like that. Like even just seeing Eddie Izzard's uh, Hamlet last week, I'm just like astounded that those shows continue to sell. It's it's really mm-hmm. great. It's really great stuff. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I didn't expect 
that fast, but also good for them. Yeah. I mean, we talked recently on the show about the potential for Denzel Washington to bring a production of Othello to Broadway. And I'm assuming, I mean, perhaps not selling out, you know, in an hour for its entire run, but I imagine that'll still be a really uh, hot ticket to get. Denzel sells tickets on Broadway, always has, and I imagine always will. So Shakespeare, still popular. Newsflash. All right, Grace, let's dive into last week's Broadway grosses. There are no Shakespeare shows on Broadway currently, uh, I guess, and Juliet, if you want to consider that. But overall, last week's Broadway numbers did dip a decent amount. They were short one show after some closings, and they did have a, a first preview. So there were only 24 shows running on Broadway last week, but the total grosses were down 10%. Remember, this was the first week post-Broadway week. So even though those were two-for-one tickets, they were regular price tickets, which means they were probably pretty expensive. So that did drive down the grosses to $29,192,251. It also represented a 12% decrease in attendance at 187,573 people. Although the average ticket price did climb up by nearly $3 to $112.98. In total, there were not that many shows that were in the seven-figure club. Only seven of the 24 shows that were running on Broadway were able to manage $1 million for the week. And only half of the 24 shows were north of 90% attendance. Overall, Hamilton was back at the top of the grosses ladder with $1,565,095. It was followed by Lion King at $1.5 million, Merrily just on the cusp of $1.5 million, Wicked at $1.3, and then Sweeney Todd back in the top five. Again, they are still only doing seven performances, but with the addition of Aaron Tveit and Sutton Foster, it jumped up over $400,000 to come in at $1.26 million. The other two shows that were north of seven figures were Moulin Rouge and MJ, although Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was very close. The one show that we had that joined the boards last week, Grace, was The Notebook. It only did three previews, but it did come in at a 97.84% capacity, and it grossed $364,378. So that would equate to a $972,475 eight-show week gross. Of course, all of those things will be different, but just to give you a relative number, like it's not bad for a new musical in its first three previews, Grace. Not at all. I'm really curious about the the shakeout of a lot of these February shows that are launching. Obviously, we know a lot that's happening in the latter half of March into April to kind of like close out the Tony eligibility of it all. But I am curious about the influx of tourism and also like locals that are interested in new shows that are starting to happen, uh, especially nearing the end of February. All right, Grace, let's talk about some show and casting news. This is one that I've been keeping my eye on for a while here. This is a show that had an out-of-town tryout in Washington, D.C. a number of years ago. Actually, it might have been pre-pandemic. I believe it was at the Signature Theater in the Washington, D.C. area back in 2020. This is the new musical Gun and Powder. We already knew that it would be coming to the Paper Mill Playhouse, but yesterday we got the initial principal casting, and that show will be led by Lisi Lafayette. Fontaine and Sierra Renee, along with Jeanette Bayardell, Aaron James McKenzie, and Hunter Parrish. Additional casting will be announced in the future. It is being directed by Stevie Walker Webb and choreographed by Tiffany Ray Fisher. This is interesting to me, Grace, because in that initial out of town tryout in 2020, 
the Clark sisters, they were played by Solea Pfeiffer and Emmy Raver Lampman. Emmy either just had a baby or is getting ready to have a baby. So with this show beginning performances on April 4th, she's probably not interested in doing that job right now. I thought Solea Pfeiffer might be involved with this, but we can get to what I think she's doing otherwise here in a minute. But it's very interesting that Lisi and Sierra are kind of jumping in there because Sierra is a name that we know pretty well. Lisi is kind of an up and coming star as well. But this is one to keep an eye out. I think this has ambitions of coming to Broadway at some point, and Solea Pfeiffer and Emmy Raver Lampman might be a little bit bigger names collectively. But if it goes well at, at Paper Mill, I think that this one could be really interesting. Have you heard much about this this one, uh, Grace, just in general or in, no. even, maybe even transfer stuff at all? No, you're not familiar with it at all? I, I've, I've heard the name kicked around a lot, but I certainly don't know the property. And I've not heard any like rumors or plans of a transfer. Obviously, that's probably the intention. Yeah. But I but I don't I don't have any inside baseball on any of it. So it it features a book and lyrics by Angelica Sherry, who is an actual descendant of the real life Clark sisters. And it has music by Ross Baum. It follows two African-American twin sisters who take extraordinary measures, including passing themselves off as white women to settle their mother's sharecropping debt back in like 1893, Texas. So it's a very interesting story. So Leah Pfeiffer, we know she just left Hades Town, and I think at the time that this was announced, I actually said, like, what's she doing? Is it going to be gun and powder? Or the other rumor is, is that she is going to be a part of the Gatsby production that is happening at American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts later this spring. I think that there was like a slight chance if there if she wanted to do a little bit of overlap or maybe leave one early that she could have done both. Clearly, that is not going to be the case. But the rumors, at least that I've heard, Grace, is that Solea will be a part of Gatsby out at Cambridge. That would be really good. She's really good. good. I'm interested in what that means. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another thing that we have, I guess it's not technically confirmed because there hasn't been an announcement or anything, but the social media channels for at Slave Play B-Way posted a, a, a message for the first time in a while yesterday. In fact, it was the first things on social media since the closing of the Broadway, the second Broadway run on February 12th of 2022. And it just said, is London ready for Slave Play and had a, a video. Slave Play is going to London, and I've been able to independently confirm that, yes, it is going to London, and yes, it will have a very big star in the show. I believe that star will be playing the Paul Alexander Nolan role, which means if you've seen the show, you know what's going to happen with that character, and so maybe get your seats accordingly. And while it is no longer snowing here, Grace, there could be a snow in this production of Slave Play in London. I I just, I don't know. Uh, could be. That's just the the word on the street mm. that I've heard. Do you have any idea what I'm hinting at? Nope. Okay. <laughs> but right. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, in some developmental news, yesterday it was announced that Mary Tessa will star in industry presentation of Ed Kleban's gallery. Richard Maltby Jr. will direct the performances. It was an unproduced musical that the late lyricist of a chorus line had written before his death. The presentations will take place on March 19th. And in addition to three-time Tony nominee Mary Testa will be Robert Fowler, Jorge Donasso, Marissa Kirby, Ira Kramer, and Ethan Paulini in the cast. In another developmental story, Grace, are you familiar with the mid-aughts dance movie Take the Lead? Yes, I am. Okay. 
Apparently, there is a musical adaptation of that that is going to have a developmental workshop in New York City. It is actually already underway. Not a ton of details about it other than it is being produced by Diane uh, Nabatoff and Eva Price. It is directed by Christopher Gatelli. Gatelli will also choreograph along with Maria Torres and Jennifer Weber. The book is being written by Robert Carey and Jonathan Tolens, with music and lyrics by Ilya Heifetz and Zeniba Now. Other than that, we know this creative team. Nothing else do we know. I have never seen this movie. It did star, I know, Antonio Banderas and Alfre Woodard, uh, as well as Rob Brown. Laura Benanti was in it as well, just a few years after she co-starred on Broadway with Antonio Banderas in Nine. All of these dance movies kind of run together for me, Grace. So remind me which one this was. Oh, Jenna Dewan was in it as well uh, in the film. So remind me what exactly this one was about, if you can. Well, I'm making sure that I have this correct. So I know that it it kind of followed the formula of most of the dance movies of the early 2000s. So it wasn't like it didn't stick out of my mind, but I know that it was like a really hot Antonio Banderas like moment. This is when like this is the listen, this is the peak of Spy Kids, Antonio Banderas. Like this is when like (laughs) like. He was like every like daddy, you know. Um, so I, I, I mean, he's a dance professor. It makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, all right. Maybe we'll have to watch it. I've not heard anything about this. No, no, no casting whatsoever. But we'll be interested to see. All right, Grace. That is all that we have today. You and I have to get ready to go do some connecting over at MCC. So um, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me on Instagram at BWW Matt Grace. Where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. I hope that it is everything that your heart desires. And we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 